This is message seven on the scarlet thread of redemption. And I know as we enter this holiday season, I'm real excited about continuing in this series because, you know, and, and again, this week we're going to talk more about Abraham and we're going to talk about that Abraham covenant. When we talk about the scarlet thread of redemption, we're talking about a love story from God from Genesis through Revelation. It's one story and it's all about how much God loves us. There was a blood covenant that has been made. And we are in covenant with Almighty God. And what that means is everything that God is and everything that God has, he's given to us. Everything that you are and everything that you have as a child of God is his. That's how we live as Christians, right? So we're going to talk more about that. And I'm excited to have Vidar here next week. Um, you know, in my brain, what would be perfect is to start a new series in January. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that, but the Lord will deal with my personality if he wants me to continue. So I'm looking at Vidar going, it's going to be so cool hearing from a guy. I mean, what, what's going on in Africa through them is amazing. Uh, but I'm like, oh, darn, that's one less week I get to, right? But the, we'll live, right? We'll, we'll live on this. So you ready to get in the words this morning? Are you? Okay, awesome. So, we talk about the blessing of Abraham, right? Isn't that awesome that, that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law? Galatians 3.13. He redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. And we study this. Man, it's so cool. The blessing of Abraham. It, there's three parts, major parts to this. First of all, God blesses you, Right? makes you rich. That's the first manifestation of the blessing of Abraham. As you learn, the blessing of Abraham's on you. I don't care if you can't pay your bills, if you're in lack right now, just rejoice because there's a blessing on you from God. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And that's not spiritual riches. There's other scriptures about that. This is financial Material resources, a full and overflowing supply is what the word rich is in the Hebrew language, also in the Greek language. Isn't that cool? Man, the blessing of Abraham is upon us. The Holy Spirit will help you learn how to walk that out, right? So that's cool. And then the second part of that blessing is, and he makes your name great. So he'll increase your influence in the earth. You have to have influence, and you have a lot more influence as a child of God than you could even imagine. You might see, Satan will just throw thoughts about how kind of insignificant you are, but that's not true. There are so many people watching your life, and you're preaching all the time, whether you realize it or not, right? So he makes your name great. That's awesome, right? So why does he do those two things? Why does he bless you in the financial realm and he makes your name great so that, number three, that you can be a blessing? The blessing of Abraham, the word blessing there and, and used with this is a liberal pool of resources to bless others. But see, if you study God's will, God doesn't want you to bless others out of your life out of what you need. You bless others out of the overflow. Your needs are met according to his riches and glory, right? That's the blessing of Abraham. Well, many get excited about the blessing of Abraham, right? So are you ready? But many don't get excited about the obedience of Abraham. It's like, dang it. Pastor, come on. I want you to tell me how blessed I am. You are. And how you're going to walk in it is as you walk in the obedience of Abraham, okay? We don't get excited about the obedience of Abraham, but I'm telling you, as we get in the word of God, we will. Because as you walk in line with the word of God, you will see this stuff manifest in your life. And, it, and it'll bless you, and that's great. But what will really turn you on is it will overflow and start blessing others. And then it will connect with everything that you are on the inside. So many believers 
So many believers are living for themselves and, and they're up to here with their life. I need this. Everything's getting more expensive. I need to make more money. I need to do this. You know, I just bought shoes for my, for my son and, and a month later he grew out of them. And right, I mean, all this stuff. And God literally wants you to not be concerned about any of that. He wants you walking around thinking about how can I bless others? And the more you bless others, the more you increase, because that's just a principle, right? So this is so important. We love the product of the blessing, but we don't love the process of obedience that it takes to walk in the blessing, right? I mean, can we be honest? Actually, your spirit man loves it, but your flesh doesn't, right? right? In order to get the right product of blessing, we must go through the process of obedience. And this is the thing. Jesus learned obedience. If he had to learn it, we're going to have to learn it. And here's the thing. You're talking about it. Your father has unlimited mercy for you and I. So when you when you're going through the process of submitting your life, beating your flesh down so that you walk in obedience to his word, there's a grace there to help you. He helps you. And when you mess up, not if, but when, now you don't have to, but as you grow in the Lord, if you make a wrong decision or go a wrong way or whatever, you have unlimited mercy. You just cry out to him, right? And you just, and because, see, Jesus paid for it all. So let's keep going with this. Go to Genesis chapter 22, because I want to I wanna break some scriptures down in Genesis chapter 22, because Abraham, one thing about him is he always instantly obeyed the Lord. Now he messed up, right? I mean, all the problems in the, think about it, every problem in the world today all that Middle Eastern nonsense that's going on that will continue to go on and keep escalating, it's because Abraham didn't want it. He tried to do it his own way instead of God's way. If you look at your life and if I look at my life, when I've tried to do it my way, ugh, does not work very much. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt... Abraham, ouch, and said unto him, gosh, I'm really glad that God's one way in the Old Testament and another way in the New Testament. I'm so glad that he changes. No, he does not, okay? He doesn't change, right? Better get back up. We better, Torian, Pastor Torian's going, what? Whoa, time out. Pastor, I've got notes. I could tell you dates about every time you've said he doesn't change, right? His notes are more thorough than my notes. That God did tempt Abraham. Okay, say this, it'll, it'll help you. God, God tempted, tempted Abraham. Abraham. Oh, are you okay? Word of faith people, right? And said unto him, oh, so he tempted him as he said something. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know that God, this is God's word. This is, him, this is his word, he speaks. And his word will always test you. So when you're driving to church filled with the spirit, so excited, and that guy just cuts you off, right? The word's gonna test you right there. You're gonna know you're supposed to go, Father, I bless that guy. Keep him safe, right? I don't know what he's going through. He's probably stressed because he's not paying attention, but keep him safe. Instead of going, right? The word always tests you, tempts you. And said unto Abraham, and behold, he said, here am I, or here I am. So this was a test of Abraham's faith in God. But now this is where we go way off in the body of Christ. We think 
that God is bringing this in my life for the purpose of finding out where I am. That God really needs to, he's testing me to really know where I am. How in the world could God possibly not know where you are? He is all-knowing. The Bible even says over and over, he doesn't look at the outward, he looks at your heart. So right now, he knows your motive. He knows motives that you don't even know yet about yourself, right? So this word tempt, it's the Hebrew word nasa, not nasa, right? Just add an H to it, nasa. It's pronounced, nasa would be the closest, right? It means to test or to prove. This verb appears about 40 times in the Old Testament. So, people will think God's testing them or tempting them, kind of the same word, right? To find out where they are. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to allow this sickness to find out if you really will trust me. No. That is the enemy. Right? We've already seen in the word of God many times here that God chastens us, which means he corrects us through teaching and instruction. He teaches us through his word. God doesn't, he, if he was a father, he's not going to take us up to the stove and go, okay, today we are going to learn that the, you don't touch the stove and then put our hand on it. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but we preach that stuff. I mean, can you, that's amazing that we preach that. God is not that way. He instructs us. He goes, don't touch the stove, right? And then he's looking there and, you know, he won't violate our will and we're walking up. I just want to touch the stove, right? And then we touch the stove and we get burnt. What do you do when you do that? Run back to him. Okay, come here. Come here. Hey, listen. You're forgiven. There's healing available to you. I'll restore, right? But let's not do that again, right? Then you do it again. Okay, let's, okay, I love you, right? When God parallels the way he is with us to us to natural children, he always uses the phrases like so much more. You know how to good gifts, good gifts to your kids, but God does that so much more than us, right? So God tests people all right to bring people to a place of obedience for the purpose of them walking in his blessing as an example somebody hurts you and god's word says forgive them do good to them right that despitefully use you so the word is right now testing you, right? But it's testing you to bring you to a place of obedience so that you can walk in the blessing. It's always towards life, right? Satan tempts us to bring us to a place of disobedience, okay? For the purpose of opening doors so that he could come in and steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan does. God brings us to a place of obedience so that he, he literally is positioning us so that we can walk in the blessing. God was not, when he came to Abraham, Abraham about sacrificing his son Isaac, he was not trying to find out where Abraham was. He, was. he knew where Abraham was. He wanted Abraham to know where he was so that he would bring him to a place of obedience so that he could walk in the blessing. So God is testing us with his word to show us where we are. He already knows where we are, right? So Psalm 105, you could keep your finger in Genesis 22, but they could put this up on the screen. Psalm 105, verse 19. This verse talks about Joseph, and it kind of bears witness with what we're talking about here. 
it says until the time that his word came. What is that talking about? From the time, from the time he was a, a boy and he had that dream until when he was in prison, right? And then he, he comes before Pharaoh and the word comes to him to describe and tell Pharaoh about his dream. Until his whole life, until that dream, until he interpreted, God gave him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, it says this, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. This Hebrew word tried, it literally means the word of the Lord refined him. It tested him. This word is describing the process of purifying that a refiner would do. So from the time it came, his whole life, he's sold into slavery, right? He has this woman who wants him sexually. He runs away. He's falsely accused and all this stuff. He's thrown in prison. And even before that, his brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Now he's in prison, right? But the Bible says his countenance was still positive. People in prison would go, why are you so happy? Right? Because the word that God gave him was refining him. That's what the word will do with you and I. It'll bring, I mean, our flesh hates it, but it brings all that junk up to the top so that it could be skimmed out. That's what, that's, see, Jesus said in one of the letters to the seven churches, ask me, come alongside of me, and, and, and so that I could give you gold refined in the fire. He's saying, come, let me, let me refine you, right? The word of the Lord tested, refined, and purified Joseph until he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. So while he was a slave, rejected by his whole family, while he was falsely accused and in prison, he was being refined. It, God was literally preparing him to be able to run the most powerful nation in the world. And God took him from a prison to the to second highest position in the land of the most powerful nation on earth in a moment. In the same way, don't get bummed out about where you are. Get excited because where you are is not where you're going to end up. It's a refining. So you walk fearless, right? I'm not the sick trying to be healed. I'm the healed, so sickness has got to leave my body. I'm not the poor trying to become rich. No, 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 I've already been made rich, so now all this poverty and lack stuff has to bow to who I am in Christ, right? I'm not the one, I'm not, I'm not a bond, in bondage to all these different addictions that I can't, no, no, I'm free, and so all these addictions and bondages have to fall off of me. They have to leave because of who I am in Christ, who he's made me. Verse 22, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Do you know the word Isaac? It means laughter. Do you know their son, Abraham and Sarah's son Isaac, was the joy of, of their life? It was the most precious thing in their life. Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. What? What kind of sick God are you? You come to me when I'm 75 years old. You tell me to leave my family, to go where you show me, and then finally, I finally get it right, and at 100 years old, we have a son, and now you're coming to me? Now, some theologians believe that Isaac could have been as old as 30. You know, uh, so I think most, most believe he was probably a teenager, maybe 13, 14. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I could tell you this. He was old enough 
to run away from his dad and say, no, because Isaac would have known what a burnt offering was, right? What does that mean? I'm going to tie your hands and your feet. I'm going to lay you on a bunch of wood. I'm going to slit your throat and kill you. And then I'm going to burn your body until it's ashes. That's a burnt offering. That's an offering to God where nothing is left for me. It's all gone. So this is what God tells him to do. God was very specific as to where Abraham was to go and very specific on what he was to do. He's like, I mean, he tells him, I want you to go into the land of Moriah. And, and God was going to show him a mountain there. And he's going to, I want you to go there. I want you to kill your son and offer him to me as a burnt offering. That's a little bit more intense than don't tell that guy off on, the, on Dodge. Right? It's a little bit more intense than probably anything that's happened to any of us, no matter how, that, that would be crazy. Tony, I want you to take David. I want you to slit his throat and I want you to burn his body. What? What? Excuse me? See, Abraham was in relationship with God. There was relationship, relationship, relationship. You better know the voice of God. How much more are we to know the voice of God, right? So, this word was testing Abraham. It was refining him, right? So, God was very specific. God literally is saying, I give my all to you, Abraham. But now he's saying, do you give your all to me? Because that's covenant, right? So let's keep going with this. Verse, verse 3, and Abraham arose up early in the morning. In other words, he did not hesitate. You got to see the obedience of Abraham. He didn't hesitate, right? He instantly obeyed. And he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. See, many who don't want to do what God is asking them to do what, what's our phrase? We don't say no, God. We just kind of go, you know, I need to pray about that. Doesn't that sound good? I need to pray about that. You know what that, you know what that phrase many times means? Is I'm disobedient, God. I'm, gonna, I'm living my own life and I'm going to do my own thing. Ouch. Sounds really good. Well, let me just pray about that. No, you don't need to pray about that. You need to slam your flesh a little bit, tell it to shut up, and tell it you're going to do what God tells you to do, Right? Because when you know him, is it ever possible for him to ever tell you to do something that would hurt you? No, there's no death in him. Everything he does is to bring you to a place. So, but many times you don't see that because you're like, what? You want me to give this up? No, I like that. Right? I like that a lot. So, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. So think about this. He is traveling for three days. Three days. That's crazy. Could you imagine how Satan is on his shoulder? What? This is unfair. This is stupid. Don't do this. Don't do this. That God is just, he doesn't love you. For three days. But notice, God didn't make it convenient. Remember, God is trying, he's refining him to bring him to a place of obedience so that he could bless him. Okay? So look at this. You have to go where God tells you. See, you may think that, no, I can't go here or many times this is this is what happens with us i can't serve god here i need to go someplace else but when you look at how god blesses it's very important he's very specific 
where you are to go and what you are to do. There would not be the grace upon me and the anointing upon me to pastor anywhere else but here. Right? It just, I'd still be Tony, but it just, right? We're talking about the place of Jehovah Jireh, right? And then you're going to see that. But I mean, the blessing is where he wants you. So don't buy into the lie that you can't be where you are because you see no way of what you need in your life to come to pass where you are. I need another job. I need to move to another area. I need to leave this church and go to another church. I need to, I need, right? It's always, be real careful with change like that geographically. And I'm not saying God can never move you. No, he will, but you better make sure it's him. Better make sure it's him, right? A three-day journey was not easy. It was not comfortable, and it was not convenient. Many times when God is positioning you to walk in something that you have no idea how wonderful it is, it will not be easy, it will not be comfortable, and it won't be convenient, right? God does not call us to convenient love, right? God calls us to covenant love. There you go, there... You're welcome. That was the marriage seminar for today, right? <laughs> Covenant, not convenient. A lot of Christians want convenient. Man, I just love my wife because, wow, she made the best meal. She did this for me. She did that for me. Dude, get off your butt and do the laundry. No. Right? Covenant love is not based on being easy or convenient. See, many people say, oh man, I will do anything that God wants me to do. What they don't say outwardly is as long as it's easy and as long as it's comfortable and as long as it's convenient. Right? Man, we really need help in the nursery. We really need help with toddlers. Well, I'll, you know... I'm just not called there, right? Could you imagine if when Sarah, my daughter, was growing up and we're like, hey, Sarah, can you do the dishes? Could you imagine saying this to us? Oh, mom, dad, you know, I'll pray about that, but I'm not, I'm not really called to that. <laughs> you know what that would mean to us? That would mean like when a preacher says, I'm closing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> It, it means absolutely nothing, right? And I don't know why you guys are laughing. It's almost like you have some, right? If Abraham, what, what if Abraham would have said this? Hey, there's a mountain right in my backyard here. Can I just sacrifice Isaac there? You know what God would have said to him? Nothing, because God doesn't hear this nonsense that's not according to his will. See, God will always provide what you need. God always provides what you need. But your ram, which is what was provided for Abraham in this situation, may not be where you are. Right? So now, right now, you're thinking naturally and geographically, but, but we're going to talk about that because I'm talking about, see, Jehovah Jireh, there, there's, God wants to take you places in him. So we could be talking about places in your attitude, places in your faithfulness, not just geographic, right? Many come to church and do nothing, give nothing, and they wonder why they only walk in a measure that God's not able to get much to them. It's because they're living for themselves, right? I mean, it, it's just... That's the way it is. And we all deal with it. I mean, we all deal with it. To do what God's called you to do. I mean, the Lord told me, he said, Tony, to walk out my plan for your life will expose every weakness that is in you. Every one of them. 
And he says, if you will give me those weaknesses as they come up, I will turn every one of them into strengths. And my spirit man now is all excited about that. My flesh still hates that. Right? Sometimes I stand up here and I say things that God's dealing with me on and I'm like, why in the world are you having me say this? This is just horrible. And then now everybody's hearing it. Right? But, and my flesh is going, ah, but, my, what, uh, but that's not optional for me. Because I know him. Everything he would ever have me do, no matter how crazy it is. I mean, it's still embarrassing to me when I've got 800 things to do and he tells me to go to Walgreens and go into the makeup aisle and there's going to be a lady there and I want you to tell her that I love her. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Right? And then you're walking up and you're seeing this woman and you're thinking, she will think that I'm a freak (laughs) or some weird, perverted, right? I don't think that way anymore because it's not my life, right? And then you go up and you tell that person, I will see people in heaven that are going to run up to me and say, man, everything started for me when you came up and you said this to me and I told you, can you please get out of my face? Because see, this is what Christians think boy, I'm going to do this, and it's just going to be all flowery and wonderful. And many times it is. Many times a person just starts crying. But sometimes they're like, I don't believe in that. Get out of here. Right? Okay, listen, I apologize if I upset you. And then I walk away smiling because I'm like, you think you're upset right now, but the problem's going to be is you're just going to keep thinking about it. And then pretty soon, other people are going to start telling you about Jesus. Eventually, you're going to be saved. Amen. Right? And so this is, but this is why we can't get into comfort or convenience, guys. So, verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went of them together. Verse 7, And Isaac speaks to his father, to Abraham his father, and said, My father... And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, we have the fire and we have the wood. Um, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? See, Isaac wasn't stupid. He's like, wait, why do we not have a lamb? Because we should have a lamb. See, what I want you to see here, even as a teenager which I think, I think if you really look at it, most likely he was probably about 13, 14 maybe years old. But you see that he was obedient to his father unto death. Verse 19, look, 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 jump back to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Keep your finger in 22. Look at what God said about Abraham. Genesis 18, 19 says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. I I love this now, you know, that that he shall command his household his children, and his household after him. That's who Abraham was. So now jump back to Genesis 22. Let's keep going with the story. Verse 8. And Abraham said, look look at this statement. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so went they, both of them together. I love the wording in the Hebrew language. The word of God is so exact. God will provide himself a lamb. See, when you now we know the aerial view of this story. God was in covenant with Abraham. He's saying, Abraham, I want you to offer up your only son as a burnt offering. Right? Why? So that I can legally bring my son into the world and offer him up 
as a sacrifice. Right? That's why that wording, he will offer himself. And you know what's really interesting is this place where Abraham offered Isaac is probably at the most about 300 feet away from where Jesus was hanging on a cross years and years later. Interesting. God will provide everything that you and I need to obey him. He'll always provide everything you and I need to obey him. God will provide himself as a substitute. He provides himself as a substitute, one to be slain or one to pay the price in your place. His name is Jesus. He took your place. He died your death so that you could have his life. Verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. Think about Isaac. Isaac had to literally let his dad bind him. They didn't have tranquilizer guns there, right? <laughs> Abraham didn't like tranquilize him and he knocked him out and then tied him up. No, Isaac had to literally lay on that altar and let him tie him up. So Isaac knew some things too. Right? Why? Because Abraham had passed that down to him. Oh, child of God, you just, you live for God. Your obedience to the Lord is so very important. For you as parents, you better honor God in your finances. Otherwise, you're going to seal the fate of your children. They will have to overcome a lot to, for God to ever bring them to a place to where he can bless them. Because they see that example with you. Now, is that big? Yeah. But remember, God provides everything for you to obey him. Right? So don't worry about, I mean, you just follow God. You fathers, make sure, man, I wish I would have done this more. Make sure, read your Bible at the kitchen table where your family can see it. Right? With your little kids, teach them how to read have them read the Bible, right? Teach them these things, it'll help them. So, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Boy, there's a whole teaching when God says someone's name twice. If you follow that in the Bible, it's, it's amazing. And, and Abraham said, here am I. And he said, verse 12, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. I, I think theologians have trouble with that. Lay your, don't lay your hand upon the lad. Oh, Mr. Educated Theologian, I thought you said he was 30 or 33, just the same age as Jesus. You're trying to make up something really cool that's just not there. I don't think a 33, have you ever met a 33-year-old who acted like a teenager? They're not going to let their dad tie their hands, right? Let me not meddle there. And he said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Now I know. Now think about how funny that is. Now I know, Abraham, that you fear me. Well, now wait a minute, God. You're all-knowing. You actually are already in the future before it even happened. Study those Hebrew words. They're really interesting because it all points to Abraham knowing, right? But it's all, see, Bible knowing. Why did God say, now I know? Because Bible knowing is not just, oh, I know that. It's I'm doing it. So God said, now I know. Why? Because I see you doing it. How does God know that you love him? Because you do what he says. Why? Because loving God is an action. It's not a word. Believing God is not a word, just, just a word only. It's an action. Oh, no, I'm a Christian, right? 
Now, I, you know, yeah, I, I believe in God, but I, I want to live, I'm going to live my own life. Yeah, you're not born again, right? Because believing God means it's followed up with action. Boy, if you're sitting here today and you call yourself a Christian, look at your life. And if you have no evidence that you're doing what he said, you better really rethink this, right? Boy, this is not the most popular thing in the world to say. But man, I'd rather hear, have you hear it from me and even tick you off. If you're watching online, man, if you still have that channel turned on, you might have shut that off. Whatever. But you got to hear it because I don't want you to stand before the Lord and go, well, wait a minute. I went to Faith Family Church. Man, I've got a Bible underlined and highlighted. I've got every CD series from all these ministers. And he says to you, I never knew you because you never you never were born again. You never believed in your heart something so strongly that you committed your life. I'm not talking about being flawless. I'm talking about, see, this is, what, this is the difference. If you're living your own life and there's nothing pricking you on the inside that what you're doing is not right, man, you might want to rethink some things. Right? I know me. My life, boy, I just run back to him. Father, I'm sorry. I did that. Help me. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm in the middle of this. I don't want to give this up, but I know I have to. Help me. Help me. Because I don't want to live with this on the inside of me. See, I'm born again. I'm violating my heart. Right? Isaac was his only son. Isaac was his heritage. His ability... Isaac was his ability to leave a legacy. So you got to understand the Middle Eastern mind at this time, right? In the Middle Eastern mind, to die without a son was the most terrible thing in life. It's not like that anymore, but it, it, to a measure maybe, but back then it was huge. It was the most terrible thing that could happen to somebody. Your whole life would be considered a failure Right? The saying in those days, as we go back in history, was this Heaven awaits not one who is destitute of a son. That's something that people would say. Like having a son was everything. Abraham offering his only son would prove in the most supreme way that he loved God and would be faithful to the covenant. Because it was his most precious thing. It was everything. Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Wow. Notice that the blessing of the ram, God's position or God's provision came behind him, okay? As Abraham walked in obedience, the provision overtook him from behind. So this is why the prosperity message, if it ever gets you seeking the money and the stuff, it doesn't work that way. You seek God, and when you walk in obedience, as you step in obedience, the blessing comes from behind. You see that right here, right? The blessing will overtake you as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, okay? Verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Wow. Do you know the word Jehovah is used 5,000 times in the Old Testament? The word Jireh is used 1,304 times. This is the only place that the redemptive name of God, Jehovah Jireh, is used. This is, this is not just his name. This is the place of Jehovah Jireh. Right? Wow. I love this. Jehovah Jireh is only found here. See, many times when people think of God, they only think of the person of God, who he is, right? 
But God, as I said earlier, wants to take you places in him. Now, this will really help you. You got to go places in him because that's where you really know him. Right? I mean, I see some of you guys in worship, some of you ladies in worship, and you're just like, ah, right? I, I mean, I think the second row here is pretty, you know, third row, right? We have a lot of rows that you're just, well, what is that? God's taking them places in him. Not just, they don't think of just the person, it's the place. God brings us to certain places in our lives. Why? Because he wants to do certain things in our lives. If you're not willing to go to a certain place, he can't do certain things. And if you'll notice, like me, I'm the master. I, I used to be. Man, I went around that mountain so many times. God would lead me up to a place, and I'd be there, and I knew I had to step out of the boat. I would get afraid and go, no. And then I'd walk around, and life, 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 nonsense, stress, disobedience, hurt, all this stuff. Next thing I know, here I am again at the same cliff right? He wants to take you. He won't get you to second grade until you pass first grade because God's a good father. He doesn't want you to get out to where you can't make it. He, he's not, he wants you to finish strong. So hear me. If you won't let God take you to certain places in him, he can't do certain things in your life. Can you, can you hear that? Can we teach that? This is not taught, but this is like so important. Where we go spiritually will have a bearing on where we go physically. Right? If you don't go to a place spiritually, God can't get you over to the physical place. This is why a lot of people, man, when they start in ministry, it's not about starting. It's about progressing through all the phases of your ministry. And there is roadblocks everywhere, but you got to go places in him. If you're in love with ministry or a title, you're in trouble because you'll never get there, Right? This is so important. Certain places, like I said earlier, in our attitude, God needs to take you to a certain place in your attitude where he goes, you need to lose that attitude so that I could do something in your life. Certain places in relationships. Do you know, you may have to get a relationship and position yourself to fix a relationship. Now, I'm not saying you fix the other person because you can't right? I mean, there's people in my life that I love very much that if, if I walked where they are, they try to be nice, but they, they're gone. They're never going to talk to me, right? I just smile now because guess what? My mansion's probably going to be next to theirs, and, and we're going to do stuff in eternity that's going to be awesome together, Right? And when we get to heaven, they're just going to look at me and go, and I'm going to be like, don't worry about it, man. Right? Because I'm going to be walking around going, and people are like, don't worry about it, Tony. Right? It's all good. But there's certain places in relationships, if you're not willing to do what God says in a relationship, he can't, he can't do something in you. God is always trying to get you to a place so he can do something for you. Right? There's certain places in your spirituality. Do you know many times God can't take somebody anywhere in him? Why? Because they won't even study and meditate in their Bible. Right? And then we have people walking around that are just hearers only. They're not doers. And they're so self-deceived that they think that they are a big spiritual giant to minister to other people. Let me teach you about how to love God and how to serve God. And, and you're, you're sitting here going, and, and, and they love God and they want to serve God and they, they really have a call in their life, but it never goes anywhere because they are not going places in him so that he could take them places in, spirit, in, in their ministry spiritually in all these places. There are places in stewardship. Think of how many people's lives is stopped because they refuse to honor God in their finances. 
So God can't even move them into anything because where he, has to, where he wants to take them, it will take more money than they can make on their own and, and they'll have to give more and sow more. Well, they can't go there. He can't take them there because they won't go to that place that he wants to take them. It starts with honor me in your finances. There's places in our commitment God will take you to a place in commitment. Do you know there are people that are married and they're not letting God take them places in that commitment of marriage and it's stopping everything else in their life. He can't do anything because they won't let him, they won't go to their Mount Moriah is what I'm saying, Right? God wants, he, there are certain places in our service, right? Am I a passive observer or am I an active participant? Pastor, you're, you're, you better be really careful because listen, I'm already thinking of leaving the church. Don't make me feel bad. I'm not. God wants to take you places in him. And it all starts with obedience. We talk about the blessing of Abraham. Many don't walk in it because they don't walk in the obedience of Abraham. And I love you today. And this is a big, important message in this. See, many people today are looking for the place, or I'm sorry, looking for the person of Jehovah Jireh, but their needs are not being met because they're not in the right place. God, I want you to bless me, but I refuse to do this. It, God won't bend because he's life and he's truth. I love it. I love it when I see a person go, wow, I blew that. I'm, you know, I need to change. I, need. I love that because I sit here and go, that was me. Don't get out there and not be willing to change if he wants you to change something. And don't beat yourself up for where you are. He's not beating you up. He just wants to bless you. Yeah, but I just want to do this. And I, you know what? I just want to say this. Okay. Right? For us to unlock and experience the full provision of God, which is beyond your wildest dreams... We must know that God is Jehovah Jireh. You have to know him as your provider and that we have obeyed him to get in the right place. You have to know he is Jehovah Jireh and you have to know that you've obeyed him to get in the right place. So how do we get in the right place? See, what is our Isaac? It is our time. It's our time. It's our talents. It's our treasure or our finances. How do we get in the right place? Make him the first priority of your time, the first priority of your talents, the first priority of your treasure, right? We must use these three things on his terms, not ours. Because this is where many people are. If you don't, then what happens is things start happening in your life and you're deceived. You're going, wait a minute, I was in faith and this happened. God, why? And God has never failed anybody. Right? And they get mad at God. Loved one dies. Whatever happens in their life that's horrible, many times it's because, listen, you have not gone to the right place. Oh, pastor, I'll dare you say that. That's so harsh. It helps you. Because blaming God, who never did anything to anybody but bless them, that's the truth. And if you don't think that today, then you need to get in the word and get with him so that he can show you that he is Jehovah Jireh. And that he'll lead you by the hand. You can trust me, Tony. You can trust me. And he, I mean, he'll start out right where you are to build it to the point where you trust him for everything. 
Verse 15, let's go on. And the, I, didn't, I, I was so excited, I didn't think I was going to get so heavy here. But this will help us. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. Aren't you glad that Abraham obeyed? Because because he obeyed, we have this position. I'm his seed. And as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We have nothing to worry about in whatever environment happens on this planet. We are to be perfect, pr protected, provided for. We're to walk in miracles. You can't take my life. I'm going to lay it down. Even on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished, and then they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. The first thing that comes in personal obedience, the first thing that comes in personal obedience to God is personal blessing from him. You position yourself to walk in what he's already given you. God said this. Look at, did you notice this? He said, by myself have I sworn. This is saying, God is saying, listen, I am swearing this to you from my throne. My throne which is unchangeable and above all and is all-powerful, is, is the guarantee that what I say will come to pass. God swears by himself. Isn't that amazing? It is the most solemn thing that a man can conceive. See, Abraham right here, think about this, had proved himself worthy of God's confidence. Wow. Verse 18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. See, when I get to the place of Jehovah Jireh where the Lord's provision is seen and is experienced, it flows to me. The provision flows to me and it flows through me to bless others. That's the place of Jehovah Jireh. Wow. In other words, when you choose to obey God, others get blessed. This is the place of Jehovah Jireh, and this is the place of covenant. The place of Jehovah Jireh is about being in the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing so that the blessings of God flow into your life and out of your life. See, many people get in the place of complacency instead of living in the place of fervency. Man, I am on fire for the Lord, and it's only going to burn brighter because I will not be complacent. I mean, I find myself, sometimes I will get in my flesh, and I'm praying, and God has to correct me. I'm like, Father, listen, I just confess before you, I... I'm just not doing all that I'm supposed to do as a pastor. And he'll correct me and he says, whoa, 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 stop. No, that's not true, Tony. And then he'll come up. He's like, because you always strive to be more. Nobody is harder on you than you. Right? So be careful. God, man, when you walk with him, if, if you get off, he will tell you, hey, don't say that. Right? Because guess what that is? That's shame. Guess what shame will do? It will lead you to the place that you're saying you hate being. The shame of sin will pull you back into the sin. See, there's a place of half-heartedness versus a total commitment. There's a place of strife with your spouse, but there's also a place versus unity with your spouse. There's a place of inactivity and passivity versus the place of active service in the kingdom of God. Here's a big one. There's a place of selfishness that many live in versus the place of generosity that God wants them to live in, right? 
God has a place for us to go to in our attitudes, in our relationships, in our faithfulness, in our spirituality, in our finances, in our commitments, and in our services. And he'll lead you to one place at a time, and he'll meet you right where you are. In other words, if God could ever get it through you, he could get it to you. You've heard that before. See, God gave himself different redemptive names. Why? So that we could have information, knowledge of him, and transformation on who he is. He not only wants you to know, see, Bible know is to go beyond knowing to experience him. And when you experience God, that's when your life is transformed. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to taste before you'll ever see. God wants us to partake of his very nature and be transformed by who he is into his very image. So as we kind of come down the road here, God was painting a prophetic picture of Jesus dying for us. Jesus was our substitute, like the ram was Isaac's substitute. What if Abraham would have obeyed God 50%? I'm going to offer my son here instead of going to Mount Moriah. It would have been more convenient. It would have been on Abraham's terms. But Isaac would have died because there would have been no ram because God's provision is where he tells you to go. Do we have the right as child, children of God to do what's convenient? Do we have that right? No. No, no. We have to do what God's told us to do. Do we have the right to dictate to God the terms of our life? We don't. We're in covenant with him. He's given us all of him, and to be in covenant, we've given, us, given him all of us, right? Is Jesus your Lord today? Many want to believe God and serve God on their terms, right? They are. They are the right person. They're just not in the right place. God told me that years ago. He said, Tony, you're the right person. You're my child. I've blessed you. I've given you everything. I'm in covenant with you. You're just not in the right place. You're not willing you're not willing to do this. You're not willing to give this up. You're not willing to do that, right? Do you know today, if everything's not hitting on all cylinders with you, realize this. You are the right person. You have everything. The adjustment is so small because you don't have to know where the place is. You just have to say, God, I'm willing and I will be obedient to go to wherever you tell me to go. And all of a sudden, he'll start telling you, I want you to go to your wife. I want you to apologize to her. And then I want you to do this. I want you to go over here. I want you to lay this down and trust me. I want you to give this up. Hey, that thing in your life, that car, it has too much of a hold on you. Right? It's your identity. It's your this. I, I, need, you, I, I, I need you to give that up right? I need you to go, go buy a smart car and look like Fred Flintstone driving it, right? What are you guys laughing at? Oh, I know because I'm so muscular and gigantic, right? Okay, there we go. Jehovah Jireh many times is presented incorrectly as a personal blessing only. You're in covenant with God, guys. It's not a personal blessing only. The place of Jehovah Jireh, yes, it blesses you, but it goes through you. You're full and overflowing, and that overflow blesses others. And God has done this for us. So be encouraged today. Go before the Lord, every one of us, and just go, okay, Lord, is there an area? And if he doesn't lay his, his finger on an area, and most likely if there's an area, you probably know it right now, then just spend time with him and ask him for help so that you can see some things because you're, he made you. You can't move in a direction you don't see. This is why nobody else can work out your own salvation. You know, God 
God had a prophetic word for our sister Elise today. But I could miss it. The word is perfect. So she has to sit here and go, if that doesn't bear witness, pastor, I love you, but I can't, I'm not gonna, I can't receive that. But if it bears witness, then you receive that, right? That's the way it works. Don't let somebody else work out your own salvation. You could see many times the enemy is telling you you're a bigger mess than you are. To be honest honest with you, he's always telling you that. He'll tell you you're so far away from being in the will of God and it literally is like this. I'm out of the will of God. I make a decision. Now I'm completely in the will of God. See, we think that we're not in the will because we feel all this pressure in the world system and that has nothing to do with it. You could be completely completely free financially. But if you'll notice, the debt's still there. The creditors still call. But when you're completely free, guess what? Now God is working, and that will work it out. There won't be creditors anymore. The money will come, and he will lead you. Now you might have to crucify your flesh a little bit, right? You might have to go do something for work that you don't like. Here's the big one. You might have to sow some things. You might have to live with some lawn chairs in your living room because God told you to give away that couch, right? But you need to get some seed in the ground, right? I don't know why I say that stuff. I I will get an email saying, oh my gosh, I love my couch, and then God's been talking to me about sowing it. I have no idea, right? Don't give your couch away, though, unless he tells you to give your couch away, right? Otherwise, you might be without a couch, and the Lord's going to be like, "What, what are you doing? Well, pastor said, no, 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 no. I didn't tell you to give your couch away. I told you to get in the place, right? Well, I love you guys so much. I hope this has helped you today. Gosh, I I could feel the love of God towards all of us right now. He loves us and he wants us to get this. And the Lord would say to all of us, we are going into a time that in the natural is not It's just not going to be as simple as it's been. But it is to be a hundred times more glorious. I'm telling you, in the craziest times, you're going to prosper so much beyond. Like the children of Israel. I mean, could you imagine? They are slaves, and they go to their owners and say, hey, can I have all your jewelry? We're leaving. And they're like, yeah. Supernatural provision supernatural healing that is our lot supernatural protection 